Uh, so we're glad uh, that you're here again worshiping with us. Look around, look at all these uh, smiling faces around here. Uh, so thanks for being here this morning. Uh, if you uh, took part in our Blueprint series, we, we talked about a number of topics from uh, greed to racism, uh, and one of those also was abortion, and, and we made it abundantly clear. If you missed that, you can go back on the app or our website to that series and, and listen to our Sunday morning on abortion. We made it abundantly clear that we as a church uh, are completely against abortion, and we are completely for life, and we make no apologies for that. Uh, it's not a political issue. I, I explained in the sermon, it is a gospel issue. And so uh, we are uh, pretty adamant about that. In addition, God is continuing to call us of what does that mean? What's your involvement? Uh, with that said, even though we're completely against abortion, um, we do not feel that is our calling or our purpose to boycott, to march, to insult to criticize anyone who thinks a different way or those who have had an abortion or thinking about abortion or took part in helping someone have an abortion, but our call is to love but still have a conviction. Does that make sense to everyone? And so again, if, if you're wondering kind of, all right, well, what does that mean kind of practically and biblically? Go back and listen to that message. Uh, and it is something, uh, the two things that God has really put on our heart uh, moving forward is we will uh, re uh, uh, repeatedly discuss mental health and mental health illness, and we will discuss um, being pro-life and the protection of life. If you look in the scriptures, it is absolutely uh, overwhelming the amount of scriptures that are for uh, those who don't have a voice. And so we do that this morning. Uh, in order to do that, uh, I'm going to invite my dear friend Connie. Connie, come on up. Give her a round of applause. You can sit over here. And I have a Kleenex for you as well. Thank you. I usually uh, need them. And so uh, Connie is the executive director of the uh, still very, very newly formed Boulder Pregnancy Resource Center, uh, downtown Boulder. And I've invited Connie to come and, and join me uh, sitting as we unpack her story and also hear the vision and mission and passion behind the Resource Center. And so Connie, uh, thanks for being here. Thank you for allowing me to come. It's an awesome. honor and a pleasure. Good. And then also, Connie will be at the back. Uh, maybe as you came in this morning, you saw uh, the table set up there with some uh, figures and brochures and, and literature. Uh, and she'll, she'll be back there as well uh, to be able to go and meet her and ask some questions. And uh, as always, there will be an ask uh, if, if you're looking to volunteer. So uh, again, deep breath. <sighs> Glad you're here. And uh, I just want to say in advance, I know your story intimately, and I know what it is, even though you've shared it in countless venues, um, uh, both in the church and outside of the church, in the university and, and in business, uh, it's, it's still always a, kind of a tearing open of the heart uh, to be transparent. And so um, I just want to say thank you for being willing to do that. Um, and thank you all for having uh, such grace and tenderness as uh, Connie shares. So let's, let's get started. Um, let's speed through your childhood years. If we can skip kindergarten and first grade, that would be great. Um, let's, let's say uh, you, we, we talked about Ethan turning 18. Uh, you turn 18, 19, 20 years old. Let's start your story there. 
So um, not unlike most women and men, um, some key, key factors in my life that led me to where I'm at today. One of them was that I was raped at the age of 16 for the first time, which changed my heart. I grew up in the church and um, kind of left the Lord at that time in my life. And as I went into college, I became um, a little hard in my heart. And then I met a man who was um, very prominent in the community that I lived in and very well protected because he worked in a very high position in a small community. And I dated him for about four times only and then you know, uh, decided that he was not the person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, but that wasn't his plan. And so he broke into my home on five separate occasions and raped me at gunpoint. Um, I, in the meantime, had called the sheriff and the police, and of course, because he was protected, they just said, you just need to buy a gun and kill him, because that is your only protection in this community. So um, 16 is your first rape? Yes. And uh, how old are you then uh, during those uh, five additional instances? I was about 20, 21 years old. Okay. So if you could take us into um, the heart and mind of a 16 to 21-year-old, and that happens to you, uh, bring us into your mind, your psyche of, of clarity of thought, of depression, of anxiety, of PTSD, of fear. What, what did that look like for you? The, um, the self-destruction um, is what began to happen in my life because I never felt worthy after that. I think when somebody um, harms you in that way, it changes your heart in a way that you look at yourself and say, and I hear this often from women, what did I do? What could have I done that would have changed that? You know, maybe I dressed wrong, and I had people even tell me that because I did not you know I didn't dress modestly and at that time in my life and so I was told that that was part of that and so it hardened my heart to God as well so when I hardened my heart to the relationships around me it hardened my heart to my father um, I never felt worthy of having a healthy person in my life and that included our, our amazing God so those those five instances, and I'm, I'm sure I speak for everybody here, we can't imagine uh, the incident happening, much less at gunpoint, um, and you get nowhere with law enforcement. Where does life take you? At that point in my life, then, I became pregnant from my last, um, the last rape, and um, was advised then to terminate that pregnancy because I was told that it would solve my problem. Um, I was the problem, the per perpetrator was the problem, absolutely, the baby wasn't the problem, but in my heart, I thought that I would have to be connected to this person for the rest of my life, which was a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy will come at you and lie, lie, lie um, to get you to make a choice to terminate a life or other decisions in our life. So I did become more promiscuous. I became, um, I didn't drink a lot, but I drank more than I ever did, just to kind of numb the things in my life. And the choices that I was making helped me to go that way. And I, again, um, relationships were very, very hard. I never let people pass this after that, after making that choice. It wasn't the rapes that kept people away from me. It was my decision to terminate my child that kept me 
from letting uh, and allowing people into my heart mm. because I thought I was a wicked, horrible person at that point. Mm. How do you get past that? I mean, it, mm. you know, you're you're in that moment, like you said, you've you were raised in the church. Was the church aware of those instances that took place? No, um, I think, and typically, women don't share that, or men, um, especially. Rape in itself, even, you know, I didn't share a lot of that with people. I only shared that with my intimate friends. And to share an abortion um, with anybody was, I never talked about it. Um, I just went into that. So it was years before I was able to talk about it. But it was Jesus Christ, you know, bringing my life back to, giving my life back to him was the key factor in my healing process because my heart needed to be healed along with um, my physical body because, you know, our heart also affects us physically. And I became, you know, kind of this sickly girl. And um, But the Lord Jesus Christ, I knew at one point my life was spiraling out of control. Mm. And I was living with a gentleman at the time I um, had had a second abortion from this gentleman because once you've made that decision, your heart is so hard, it's easy to go do that again. And um, so when I realized how I needed a savior, um, somebody invited me back to church. I actually got up and left the first time because I thought these people are crazy. It was a prayer meeting. They were on the floor praying and um, now I'm one of them who's just joined them. Um, <laughs> but I thought, this is not for me. But then somebody invited me back the second time again to church. And I met this Jesus face-to-face -face that day and fell madly and passionately in love with him. And I wasn't willing at that time either to not have everything that Jesus Christ paid the price for me to have. So I went on a journey. I went back to Bible college. But before that, um, two weeks after I had given my life to Christ, you know, rededicated my life to him and fell badly in love with him, um, I, first day actually, after I gave my life to him, I told my gentleman that I was living with, we can't sleep together. The next day I said, and now you have to move out because now I have a new husband and his name is Jesus Christ and you're not my husband. And, but I found out I was pregnant for the third time, two weeks after that. And because of my misconception of who Jesus Christ was in my life still, I thought if anybody knew what I had done in the past that I was living with a guy, they would never let me come and meet with this Jesus that I just fell in love with. So I made that choice a third time out of shame and guilt and out of ignorance. Um, so one of the things I love to do is educate people, first of all, on our Jesus Christ and what it means to give our lives to him, what he paid the price for me at the cross. That was one of the things that I um, began to just research. What did he actually do at the cross for me? Why wouldn't I want every single thing that he has um, as a believer now in Christ? And so I went on that journey to find out. So I want to I dig a little bit deeper into um, kind of going back into the church with a suitcase of luggage, <laughs> baggage, some people might say. You go back in the church, 
um, and you're bringing with you uh, six rapes and three abortions. Uh, take us into your heart of being able to fully receive that forgiveness. The last couple of weeks we've been talking quite a bit about um, God's heart in, that, in, in his anger being fulfilled uh, in the cross and, and not those Old Testament sacrifices anymore. Were you able to fully embrace that God's not unhappy or angry with me anymore? He, he fully has forgiven me or was that kind of a journey? That was actually a journey as I began to get to know the Father in this intimate way that I'd never known him before growing up as a little girl in the church, um, studying his word and spending time with him every day just propelled me into this relationship that was beyond anything that I could ever imagine. And so that journey took me a few years to begin to receive the grace and the forgiveness that God would have for someone who had committed so many sins and had done so many horrible things. But he is so loving and gracious that he is willing to wait for us. So you meet Jesus, you fall passionately in love, you have a hiccup in having an additional abortion, but now take us into that um, process of growth. What, what does that look like practically in your life um, uh, during those years? And, and how old were you at that time? I was um, about 31 at that time okay. when I rededicated my life to the Lord and, and spent, began to spend time with him. Again, I went to Bible college. Because, again, I thought that's, they're going to have, you know, they're going to help me to learn about this Christ that I just had met, and they did. Um, and so that journey then took me into wanting to give my life to him in every way. And when I got married, um, actually God called me to marry the man that I terminated two children with. And when God called me to marry him... Uh, we weren't even together anymore. And God said, this is your husband. And I said, no way. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated that. <laughs> he was living in another state. A long story short, that God um, then brought us back together and began the healing in him as well because men um, process being a part of an abortion story different. But it's very similar. You know, the hurts and the wounds, the the rejection, um, of our own selves, you know, I think um, learning to forgive yourself was harder for me than receiving Christ's forgiveness for myself. That's good. So did God just immediately put on your heart to, you're going to run pregnancy resource centers for the rest of your life? <laughs> Absolutely not. That was the furthest thing. I had a career as an artist um, and, and an educator and um, was very happy. God was blessing me with that career. Um, after I got married, someone invited my husband and I to a gala. Um, I don't know how many went to the Boulder Pregnancy Resource Gala, but that's one of the big fundraisers that pregnancy care centers do across the nation to raise money, because we don't charge for anything. Everything that we do is free. Um, and so, I never heard of a pregnancy center before. I was invited to this gala. I really thought it was for like Planned Parenthood or something because I didn't know that much about Planned Parenthood and their organization. But when I got there, a woman got up and began to share her story about her abortion story. And I'd never, ever heard anybody talk about it, ever. 
And but that day at the at the banquet, sitting at the table with me was the head of women's ministry and her husband, the lead pastor and his wife, associate pastor and his um, wife as well. And still there was this little piece of me that said, if I begin to cry, first of all, I'm never going to stop because my heart was so impacted that day that somebody would share this story. I still had stuffed part of that, even though um, God had healed my heart in many ways, there were still pieces in there that were crushed. And I thought, if I start crying, they'll know that I made that choice too, and they will never invite me back to church. Um, My husband and I went out to the car after the gala, and um, he grabbed my hand because I began to weep. Mm uncontrollably Um, because God still had some work to do in my heart and my husband said you know God has forgiven us and I said I don't I don't know that Mm -hmm. but I'm going to find out all that God again has for me as his child as his daughter Um, he has forgiveness Um, I in the process of that too, Pastor, I um, because my physical body was a little sick. Later, um, I was getting some prayer for healing for my physical body, and on my way home that day, God spoke very clearly to my heart and said, actually very loudly, <laughs> in the car, and said, "You don't even believe that I've forgiven your sins. How will you believe me for your healing?" Mm. So I went home and I read everything in his word about healing about forgiveness about the cross again and believing what did he do for me what did he pay the price for me to have so if he has forgiven all that i needed to find some way to forgive myself and the people involved in my abortion stories Hmm. so the journey continues um the gala finishes and, and where do you begin to have those first initial callings uh, from God to have a voice? Well, it was at the gala. Um, I said to myself, God, I really want to get involved with what this ministry is doing. It was two years later. God brought us back. We were living in Utah at the time. My husband's um, position took him there. And we moved back to Colorado. And... Um, I went to an event at a church, and it was to um, help the pregnancy care center in that city. And I said, look how faithful God is. He brought me back to the only other city in the United States that has a pregnancy care center. And he heard the cry of my heart. Well, I didn't know that there weren't just two pregnancy centers in the nation. There's actually about 2,000 across our nation helping men and women and families. And so I walked into their center one day and said, do you need a volunteer? (laughs) And, of course, they said yes. And um, six months later, they asked me if I would be their director. And again, I said no, because I often say, God, no, before I say yes after praying about it. And um, became their director for seven years, um, helping men and women and children. The last year I was there, 86 women gave their lives to Christ, because this is about our Jesus Christ. It's not just about a baby. It's about this woman and the man involved in this process. It's about their hearts and the next generation who would know this amazing God that I fell madly and passionately in love with. Uh, There might be some folks here who don't really know what resource centers do. Um, And so 
before we get to Boulder, um, let's stay up in Greeley and, and figure out, can you explain from a kind of 30,000 foot view of what's a resource center, what services are offered, what do you do? So we offer anything from free pregnancy tests, ultrasounds. Uh, we will be adding STD testing um, in our Boulder Center soon. Boulder County has the highest rate of um, certain STDs in the nation, and so to be able to reach them through that as well. We do free baby clothes, maternity clothes, mentoring, parenting classes. We do post-abortion healing for men and women as well. We usually do that separate or we'll do one-on-one. -on -one. We do, um, again, the counseling so that women, we educate men and women so that they can make a choice that they can live with for the rest of their lives. And typically, women choose life. Actually, we've been open since July 1st. We just had our third mom who was going to terminate choose life. Amen. So uh, I just revel in what God is doing. But in these centers across the nation, um, they're all free. They don't charge for anything. Again, uh, we do breastfeeding classes. Anything that is going to need the support to help a woman choose life or her significant other. Oftentimes, we don't see the significant other with her, but when we do, we want to embrace them. And our goal is that we're seeing the men as well as the women in our centers so that we can encourage, give them hope that there is hope in an unplanned pregnancy, that there's support there for them for as long as they need it. But we're hoping that we're doing our job so well that, you know, that they don't need our support and then we want to move them into the churches in our communities because we know that that's where eternal life is. Um, it's not just good enough to um, meet her needs in that moment, but we want to meet their needs eternally as well. And we can't do that, but you guys can. So that's where you guys all come in too, is when you meet a woman or a young man who is finding themselves in that position that first you lead them to us and then you bring them here um, to be discipled. That's good. So you mentioned, uh, in addition to the, the services that are offered, your last year at the Resource Center up north, 86 women give their life to Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Uh, is there an intentionality? Is there a sharing of the gospel? Is it you teaching? Is it you not letting them leave before they hear it? Like what? Like how did <laughs> all those things? Yeah, that 80, 86 <laughs> is nothing to like it's, be shy about. That's incredible. So how does that amazing. happen? It is through Jesus Christ. From the moment they walk through our center, we pray that they see the love of Jesus Christ. Whether I get to say his name or not, oftentimes I'll have a woman say, why would you do these things for me? Or why would our counselors or whoever's there meeting with them, why would they do this? And I get to say, because of Jesus Christ. Um, have you, do you know him? Um, we give away Bibles. We give away, you know, again, sometimes I don't get to say that. It's so Holy Spirit-led or our counselors. But, you know, um, they are hungry. Um, people are hungry to know about our Jesus, but if nobody's telling them about him, um, so that's where we get to, you know, we might be the first church they ever get to see. I say we're, we're a parachurch ministry because we do share the love of Jesus Christ. So we get donated Bibles and children's Bibles and to introduce them to this Christ who loves them. Yeah. Okay, so we literally 
Connie's story, you could listen for three hours on all the details, um, but we're going to fast forward. Um, you're in Boulder. Dark place. Dark place. How'd you get here? So I had moved from the Boulder up, or the pregnancy center up north. Actually, it was Longmont, and um, moved to Loveland or um, Lafayette and Boulder Center. Um, it was called Real Choices at the time. They joined forces with um, Catholic Charities, and they moved out of Boulder. And I knew that Boulder is a mecca for abortion, if people don't know that. Colorado was the first nation state to ever legalize abortion six years before Roe v. Wade. And there's no limits in the state of Colorado. We do not report. Uh, we're not a reporting state. And the one of the largest late-term abortionists is right in Boulder County. And so my heart was for Boulder. Um, I grew up in Arvada, then moved to the Western Slope, but always had a heart for this area as well and said that's unacceptable to not have a pregnancy care center as an alternative for women and men to go to in Boulder County. And we began the process of looking. And actually, I had on my heart to start a center, but I didn't know it was going to be Boulder. And when God called me to Boulder again, I said, no, no, Lord, not Boulder. <laughs> not easy, not easy grounds. It is not. But the very first week that I was driving into Boulder, there was, it was a kind of a gray, kind of cloudy, gloomy day. And there was just one ray of light coming down on the mountain. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, one speck of light dispels the darkness. Um, if you don't know, Boulder County also has the highest, incident, highest numbers of cults in our nation um, concentrated in Boulder. So again, people are searching, and they just didn't know who they were searching for. But hopefully you guys along with us get to introduce them to that. So along with an amazing um, board chair, Yvonne Williams and Warren Williams, who have been in the... They um, actually started, the, I think, the second pregnancy care center in the nation right here in Boulder. And um, so they said, we're, I had approached them to use their 501c3 to start a pregnancy center, not knowing where God was going to have me do that. And they said, we no longer under the laws can let you, you know, use our 501c3. But, you know, what God's putting on our heart to start a pregnancy center in Boulder. Would you be willing to help us? Um, <laughs> and I said at that time then, okay, Lord, um, this is where you're moving. Awesome. And uh, we were part of, um, Alex and I were, were, were part of a, a pastor's gathering when Connie and her board um, uh, were able to share their heart a couple of years ago and um, didn't even have a, didn't even have a home yet. Uh, had a name, <laughs> had a 501c3, but didn't have a home. And uh, God gave you a home, and it's strategic. And can you, can you share what God did in, in providing that home and where it's located? It is three blocks from our late-term abortionist in Boulder, right on Broadway. So and, and just so you know what, what that means, this, this is one of the most world-renowned abortionists in the nation, that performs abortions all the way up through full term uh, and then discards uh, without thought. And so, boom, there you are, three streets down from there. 
Yeah, and God provided us with a 4D, not a 3D, ultrasound machine. He actually had given us um, a 3D to begin with. A company out of the East Coast heard about us starting a center in Boulder, Colorado. They said, we heard you starting this center. We'd like to donate your ultrasound machine for you. And they called us back, and they were going to have us buy the probes. And they called us back and said, actually, um, we're, we'll only make you pay about... 5,000 for those probes or 6,000. They originally were 14, and the machine they were giving us was a $25,000 machine. They said, we think you need a better machine. We're going to give you a 4D machine. And I said, I know what a 3D is. I have no idea what a 4D is. And I looked it up, and I'm like, God, do I need that? Um, and God's like, well, of course. I put you three blocks away from the late-term abortionist, so you're going to need this 4D. And then this, when we were looking for a location, we looked at several, and Boulder's very pricey, and a lot of the places they had gutted, so we would have had to build them out. The first place was $17,000 a month. So I said, you mean a year, right? <laughs> Second place was 10000 and it was only about 200 square feet less than what we have now, which is about almost close to 1,400 square feet, what God provided. The landlord, we just looked at this space because the landlord... Um, our board chair's husband is also a realtor, and we wanted to see what else was available in Boulder, but he had a verbal contract on this place, didn't have a bathroom, can't have a pregnancy care center without a bathroom. And um, I shared our story with him. Um, he called us back about a month later and said, I really think you guys are supposed to be in this space. We're like, well, it's still kind of pricey. He said, what if I build the bathroom for you except for about 5000 and we're like, well, that's an incentive. Um, and then he said, how about, and we're like, but it's still kind of pricey. He said, how about if I give you your first month's rent free? And we're like, well, then we got the rest of the year to pay. Um, and he came back again about a week later, and he said, I still think you guys are supposed to be in this place. Now, he's not a believer, um, but I believe that God had moved in his heart. And he said, how about if I give you $1,000 a month um, as a donation, um, for at least the first two years, will that help you get in this space? And we said, where do we sign? Um, <laughs> so if you ever want Connie to negotiate, uh, she's got God on her side. It's pretty good. So you, you, and you have this beautiful facility now um, that is gorgeous. It's beautiful. We have an open house on December 5th, so that is this Thursday. If you'd love to just come and see what God has done, because seriously, from the furnishings to the flooring, people donating amazing things for the center to be able to minister to men and women in this community, please come by. We're doing it from 4.30 to 9.00. Um, to come to the center and just see what God is doing and pray over us yeah. because we are in a strategic place that God has placed us in. Um, you guys came. I don't know if you were there that day. After the breakfast meeting, we had about 14 pastors come and before we opened and just began to pray and praise and worship. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. to see God work in the lives of these pastors, even to come and do this for us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, when you walk into the facility, you sense God's, God is there. And so, uh, again, if you're free Thursday, I really want to encourage you to, to go and, and go to that open house and, and see it and see what they do and all the different rooms and equipment, the counseling, the therapy that goes on there, uh, walking beside women, uh, the resources, et cetera. Um, 
we're not in any way, the, the intention this morning is not to um, build a case against abortion. It's to share mm -hmm. what God is doing to, to protect and, and to give life. However, I, I do think you have shared with me several times different statistics um, about abortion, uh, even aside from the scriptures, just what it does to the body, what are the risks of having an abortion before 18 and afterwards. Uh, so many leave it as a political uh, discussion or an interpretation of scripture, but there's a there's a medical side to this as well. Can you briefly uh, educate us a little bit on, on that side of things? Yes, so in um, China and other nations, they've done the research. Colorado or United States won't actually let the research be done or completed, um, and there's a reason behind that. But the research has been going on for years, and if a woman terminates a child before the age of 19, her first child, her risks of breast cancer go up 100%. If a woman can, terminates a child otherwise, after that, um, her risks of breast cancer go up over 50%. And um, I am one of those risks um, because I made that choice. Um, I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer, and there was no history in my family. But again, without Jesus Christ in my life, and um, I, some of you know my story, too, has been aired on Daystar and some other about my healing journey as well, not just from the rapes, but from breast cancer, that my God has this amazing healing, amazing healing that he provides for us, um, and he miraculously healed me of that, but um, women and men don't know some of those risks. Risks of ectopic pregnancies go up, skyrocket. Um, Infertility. Um, I no longer, I don't have children of my own that I've birthed. I have a stepson that God blessed me with and many godchildren that he has brought into my life. But a lot of women don't know the risks of, of terminating or, um, or, or a spouse or a significant other. You know, they just think this will solve their problem when the risks go up dramatically for women. Um, risks of, um, also, it ch because of changing in the heart, um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, promiscuity skyrockets for these women. 92% of the women incarcerated. Now, I did this research five years ago on this study, but 92% um, of the women incarcerated terminated a child, mm -hmm. which led them to increase drug abuse, alcohol abuse, making bad choices in their lives. I don't have the numbers on men. I'm going to bet it's pretty high that it changes their hearts. Men kind of react more with anger issues and violence as well. Um, statistics show that that's one of the side effects of making that choice. Mm. It's powerful stuff. You brought a, a box that uh, has some things inside. Can you share that with us briefly? So I, and some of you were at the table in the back, but these little babies... Um, are seven, eight, nine, and ten weeks in the womb. When I go to events or go anywhere, have these in the center, people will say, that's not really a baby. And I'm like, well, it's not a real baby. But this is what your baby looks like at this age and stage of your pregnancy or in the womb. And we all started there. Um, kids love these babies, and they will bring mom and dad, grandma over to the table. But when I open these boxes and show these that, you know what, your baby has a heartbeat, 
um, at 21 days, your baby's heart began to beat, has brain waves, fingers and toes, and every little thing that God created us so amazingly special. Um, but, you know, in our society, a lot of times we're just told that this is just a clump of cells. And I remember seeing these for the first time myself because I was told that as well. It's just a clump of cells. Well, that clump of cells has fingers and toes and, and um, can feel. So we, we use these as a powerful tool to help women and men see. Actually, um, a client recently, I asked if she... I will usually ask because I don't want to traumatize a woman um, in the phase of her pregnancy, but I want to educate her. God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So educating, sharing the knowledge, the facts with women and men is so powerful. Usually they choose life um, when they see that. Anyway, this woman said she wanted to see it, but the significant other in her life said, no, I do not want to see these because he was insisting that she was going to terminate this child. Um, when she looked at him, and she was kind of making a few just, you know, hmm, little gestures with her voice, he then got, his, his curiosity peaked, and he then said he wanted to see these babies too, and um, to this day, they are carrying this baby to term, Amen. so, but where they were um, determined before, and then we moved them into the ultrasound so that they could see that baby, and they returned again. So these are powerful. And then uh, it, afterwards, if you want to go, there's another box on the table there. And can you explain what that is? So those babies are 12, 16, 22, and 26-week babies. Um, anatomically, you know, we don't show the parts, but so we don't know if they're boy or girl. But um, they are also weighted to what a baby might weigh in the womb at that age. But these are, um, you know, what the baby looks like um, inside mommy's tummy. Yeah, so I, I want to encourage you uh, go back there and, and just see those babies, um, feel them, hold them. Uh, if you're carrying one, you can kind of get a feel of what you're carrying, you two, um, which is kind of cool. It's fun for the dads to feel them, too, cause so they can know what, what, <laughs> what mom is carrying inside. Yeah, it's super easy. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, two, two things I want to uh, have you do as, as we get ready to close. Uh, number one, um, if someone has uh, here or watching online, they've had an abortion. Um, they were part of encouraging an abortion. They drove someone to an abortion. They paid for the abortion. They celebrated the abortion. Um, and they're hearing this. Please speak to them. First of all, um, again, forgiveness of yourself for being a part of that. I actually drove a friend, too, to have an, a, a pre her pregnancy terminated and had to forgive myself for that. But again, um, just seeking God's forgiveness, knowing about this amazing Jesus Christ that has everything that we need for healing for your heart, um, it's, it again is harder for us to forgive ourselves, but also in the churches, you know, there's so many amazing churches like Rock Creek who are ready to embrace you and to help lead you through that healing process. 
as well as, you know, our, um, we call it forgiven and set free because it's amazing to watch men and women coming into that process of not forgiving themselves. Oftentimes they've known about God's forgiveness and have received that, but again, to let God come in and heal that piece of their heart or your heart that is still wounded by that choice is powerful. And you will see an actual change in somebody's outer appearance once they realize how much forgiveness is theirs to have. And even, you know, to forgive the people around them that might have been a part of that as well. You know, I had to ask forgiveness um, for the people that I involved in my, you know, d decision to terminate my children. I involved them. And I had guilt and shame about that, so I had to go to them and ask their forgiveness as well, um, and my family's forgiveness. I, I remember the first time I was going to go share, I was like, okay, I can't do this without letting my family know um, all about the whole story. Um, they knew bits and pieces, and I said, you know, I will never go out and share if this will bring you harm in your hearts, and they... They all embrace me, so know that the people around you and the churches that are out there will embrace you and will walk you through this. It's You don't have to do this alone. There's hope and there's healing yeah. with our gracious, amazing God. Yeah. Amen. Uh, last question. You mentioned uh, how it kind of got started is you going, hey, I want to volunteer. Um, at the Boulder Center, it is completely volunteer run other than you. What does a volunteer do? What do you need? Can anybody help? What are your needs and where do they go to volunteer? We um, have volunteer training that we will send you through if you are going to be an advocate. So we call you advocates. You're not counselors. So you advocate for Jesus Christ and these women and men and their, and their potential families. So we would take you through a, it's about seven it's 21 hours, which is a lot. So we've had 18 women go through our first training, um, and now they're moving into our center. So some of them do administrative work. Some do outreach in their churches. They just are like my voice in the churches that are out there, you know, putting up posters in the community, in their churches, letting other people know, starting a baby bottle campaign in your church, which is just filling a little baby bottle full of spare change. Since we are a nonprofit, we, we do little things like that. But it also, what that does, I love the baby bottles in the church because what it does is help other people know about us. My goal is that women and men know where to go before they need before they need us, before um, they're facing that unplanned pregnancy and go someplace else that will encourage them to terminate. So getting the word out is huge. We've only been open since July 1st. So um, again, you know, lots of marketing. So if you're a marketing guru, you've got Facebook, you're a social media person, we need volunteers for that. Um, baby showers, so because we provide diapers and wipes and clothing, we do all brand new at our center. We don't have a ton of space for that, but we want to honor these women and men for choosing life by giving them brand new things for their baby and for themselves, maternity clothes. We, um, we just also just connect them to all the resources that they're going to need, whether it's a job, a church to go to, um, food, clothing, those kinds of things that will help them get through this hump in their lives. Again, we're hoping we do this so well with your guys' help that we, you know, they don't need us forever. 
Um, but again, if they do, we're there. We'll help raise their babies for them if they need us to. We get them connected to those resources that help with college grants, things like that, that, you know, that women typically choose abortion because of finances, somebody encouraging them, um, thinking that their dreams will be, you know, postponed if they have a career in mind. But you know what, they can go to school, they can have the child um, and still fulfill their dreams. They just don't know that sometimes that there's this whole community wedding, you know, willing to surround themselves around them to help them do that. And actually there's a lot of resources for women who find themselves single and pregnant especially, but for men as well, resources for them, not just for the women that come to our centers. And then um, just getting, you know, you don't have to be trained to do all the things, go through the volunteer training to do all the things for the center, but um, it does take a city to yeah. do this. Amen. Well, I have, I have two 12-year-old boys that are in <laughs> that other room Amen. Um, because their birth mother uh, chose life. And Sandy and I regularly are thankful for her and that she made the right decision and we have Seth and Luke. And so personally, I'm so grateful for what you do. Um, your honesty and transparency and love for Jesus is infectious. And so I'm proud to call you friend and ministry partner and I'm really grateful that you came here this morning to share your story. Can we say thank you to Connie? Thank you for having me. So I'm going to encourage you, just um, even if you just want to say hello, Connie would love to do that, but um, stop at the table, see the resources, uh, see the material, uh, see the figures. Um, if you're interested in helping, even if it's once a month for an hour, that is extremely Doing helpful. landscaping. Yeah, doing landscaping. Your, your we, church did amazing landscaping So there, there are so many different ways from handing out resources to greeting to admin to sitting with the women uh, if you've got nursing skills. Um, that All of it's volunteer. All the OBs, all the nurses, everything is volunteer. And so uh, even if it's, hey, I can volunteer twice a year. Um, that is significant for this resource center. And uh, even if you're not interested, uh, being able to go back and, and give a word of encouragement to Connie and, and the ministry that she's a part of, it would be um, pretty impactful. So let's pray together and uh, we'll worship God and, and thank him for what he does. So God, we, we love you. Um, thank you for my friend. Thank you for Connie. Thank you for her story. Thank you for her faithfulness to you. Uh, thank you for um, all things that are made new, including our stories. Uh, you take what the enemy intends for evil, for harm and destruction, and you turn it for good. And uh, what a choppy story at the beginning, and yet uh, a story of redemption and hope and love and assignment. And Connie is your faithful servant. Um, so please continue to protect her, speak to her, uh, direct her steps, direct her heart, um, and that you would continue to be the hero in this story, all things. Pray for um, Boulder. It is so in need of Jesus. 
It looks so beautiful on the outside, but if you dig down even an inch or two, the darkness and the hopelessness and even the evil is so prevalent. Please come, Lord Jesus, and turn that around. Use the churches, use nonprofits like Connie and the Pregnancy Center, uh, the homeless feedings, everything that proclaims Jesus to turn the tide that Boulder would come to know you and acknowledge you as Lord. So we love you. Thank you for the gift of being able to be the church, uh, to do church and to do our part in being a part of this uh, story and ministry. And we give it to you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.